Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm great. How are you? Doing pretty well. All things considered, interesting taping tonight. Broke the thing that stores all the podcasts, the uh, SD card. So I went driving around Santa Monica trying to find a replacement. And there were other SD cards out there, but I wanted the exact same one, and they just didn't have it. So. Meanwhile, I'm falling asleep here. That's it's true. like 10 of 10, just like trying to stay alive. And me, I'm just like, I could have gone there and be back in five minutes, but I have to have the exact card. I hit the cycle. I went to CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, Gelson's, back to Walgreens to pick up the SD card. And now we're recording. Thrilling night, folks. It's an incredible story. We we all sitting down for that conversation. <laughs> we sitting down for the this. The mystery. Woo! <laughs> That's the only way to start off episode 50 of The Long Finish. <laughs> With mesmerizing details of our COVID quarantine life. You know what? There should be a James <laughs> Bond where he just like does the most mundane thing ever. That's what this SD card story should yeah, be about. Yeah, it would be funny. I'm sure that, that SNL has been done. I'm sure. So, as I said... Welcome to episode 50 of The Long Finish. Woo! And they said we wouldn't last. Who knows? We may not last, but uh, we keep going. We'll be here tonight. We're here to celebrate. Yes, and we are. And one of us is going to be drinking this fabulous champagne, because Catherine, as we alluded to last week, we announced uh, on the show, breaking news, you are pregnant with our kid number three. He's in there. So you can't drink your favorite drink. It's true. It's really a shame. He said, we were setting up and I was just being a little grumpy. It's like, what's what's up? And I'm like, well, it's just not that fun that you get to drink this champagne and I don't. <laughs> it's not. There was a lot of energy <laughs> around the apartment because it's not um, It's fine. You know, it's not very long stints in life. Nine months, you know, it's not too long. But sometimes you just want to enjoy something. And... The time will come soon enough. I'll have a nice bottle waiting for you when baby three comes. Thank you. But speaking of nice bottles, we got a very nice bottle of champagne tonight. We do. And we think that you all should be celebrating these next few weeks as we celebrate the holiday season, but also the end of what has been a crazy year of 2020. So we're going to talk about champagne, a couple other events in our life, things to look for when you're buying sparkling. And Kath, let's kick it off with what are we drinking tonight? So we are drinking the J.M. Salek Champagne Solescence Seven Villages or Sept Villages Champagne. This is the non-vintage blend, but I will say on the back it says disgorged October 2019. So you can know exactly when this was disgorged. Excellent champagne. Can't wait to get into it. And I will be tasting it. And we'll remind everyone, uh, for some reason you have not heard our champagne episodes from last year, go and check them out. But of course, we'll talk about terms like disgorgement. And I always like when these winemakers show the date of their disgorgement on the label. It's super cool. So um, let's get to that in a second. If you want to open it, I actually asked Catherine not to open it because I want to hear the sound. Here we go. We're celebrating. Beautiful. Woo! 
Let's exercise the demons of 2020 with that pop of Let's the cork. Let's go. There's nothing like running around for 45 minutes looking for an SD card and then coming home to a nice glass of champagne. Cheers to episode 50. Cheers to you. Cheers to you, my partner, and to all of you for listening. So let's go ahead and get into the episode. Crazy week for us. We announced last week that we are having baby number three. That entails a lot of stuff and a lot of stress. One of those things is us looking for a bigger place, doing some house hunting, some real looking. We've dabbled in looking around in the past, but this is a full-fledged attack on the Los Angeles real estate market. And for those of you in LA, you get it. And if you're, you're listening outside of LA, like my parents who are becoming privy to the market, it is, it's tough. It's insanity. <laughs> it's insanity. Something's been on the market 48 hours. It's like, if you haven't called, you're out. You know, like there's like 20 offers on a place and 10 counters. That's a good one. Oh my gosh, it's crazy town. Yeah, so we saw a place this week that we really liked, put an offer in, put a counter in, and did get, didn't get it. It was very disappointing. Catherine was very sad. She just asked to be left alone in the dark of our, our bedroom. <laughs> She's like, I'm not coming out for 14 hours. <laughs> and she, uh, I knew she was okay when I got a text from her, and it was another Zillow uh, <laughs> house. <laughs> okay, uh, she's back. I'm back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That was the mark. Oh, we're back. She's okay, guys. I told my other kids. Mom's going to be okay, guys. Just got another house listing. That's how we communicate. We don't text each other words anymore. We just send each other links to houses. So going through that, we are open to a lot of neighborhoods. We're focusing in on a few neighborhoods, but obviously the proximity to being at Esther's is, is a high priority. So going through that, but yeah, it's a it's a deal. It's a real deal. Calling our parents, trying to get advice. So we'll keep you posted on we'll that. Keep going. Let's just hope we get it before the baby. If not, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tight squeeze. One thing I've enjoyed doing with Catherine is that we really like this place, so we put an offer in on. But as soon as we don't get it, we start to pick it apart. Right? We're like we we oh, would we never it. we trash would it. never <laughs> like living there. Those bathrooms were way too small. <laughs> So much to do with that house. Why? What were we thinking? It's like, it's like, you know, when you're dating someone and then suddenly you break up and you're just like, you know, all the awful things about them. That's what we got to do just to move on. Yeah. So that's a big part of our life right now. Working on the kids sleeping. We're kind of fluctuating with around that um, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. hour. Our oldest kid, Catherine's done a nice job of reinserting this clock that sort of tells you when to get up with the colors. It's working. And that's working. Yeah. But I'll say right now, our second child, he's the problem child. I'm very scared for the high school years. Um, and he just kind of does what he wants right now. So he's still getting up at like 5.15 saying, you know, blues clues. He's the boss. He's the boss right now. So a lot of things going on in our life, but we always like to keep you updated. Hopefully when we find this house, of course, we're going to celebrate with a wonderful bottle of champagne. So let's go ahead and get into it. Let's get into the celebratory mood of finishing off and getting through 2020. Yes, I'd say really, what are we now? We're almost in mid-December. This episode is going live December 15th. So I would say, you know, from today, the 15th, all the way through the 31st, we could just do, you know, sparkling every day, people. Just like it's, it's like an advent calendar 
for sparkling wines. For for it's 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 the countdown to New Year's Eve. It's yeah. like the 16 days of New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah. Something but anyway, do it. Like buy a case of sparkling wine and every night celebrate cuz it's almost over. This horrible year. <laughs> and I know how much you love champagne and we had a chance to visit there 6 years ago now. So I'm excited to talk about it with you. And so let's recap what we're drinking tonight, and let's hear a little bit more about them. So this is the J.M. Salic Champagne, the Solaisance, Seven Villages, or Sept Villages. And this is Disgorged October 2019, and it's mostly, or 50%, based on the vintage of 2017, which we'll get into in a second. But this producer, and also the importer, Vintage 59, does an excellent job at recapping the details of the philosophy of the producer, what the meaning behind this particular cuvee, where it's from, the blend, all the details. You know, sometimes when you have a champagne that's non-vintage and it just says brute or extra brute on it, you don't know a ton about it. So this is really helpful and then it explains some of this on the back, but we'll get into it. So champagne, 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 champagne. That trip there was amazing, but I feel like I can relive it every single time I open a bottle of champagne. I'm particularly excited about grower champagnes, which everyone knows by now. Those are champagne producers that farm the vineyards and use their own grapes to make their own wine. They're not a big house that buys the grapes. And so J.M. Salek, Jean-Marc Salek, is a third-generation grower-producer, and he's in Pierre, which is a little in a little area called Coteau-Sud-de-Epernay, which is part of Valais de la Marne, one of the five regions of Champagne. And I didn't really know that much about this particular little area until I started reading about him. But one of the main reasons that I become interested in him as a producer is because of his farming. As you know, I'm into farming. And he converted, he's third generation, as I said, his grandfather founded this in 1965. He took over in 2008 and converted everything to organics. And And in some vineyards, he works with a lot of biodynamic practices. But his vineyards are in seven different villages, hence the seven villages fruit that are in this wine that we're drinking tonight. And that's what got me excited is because there's not that many producers in Champagne that are farming organically. Now, he's not certified. And if mildew is a problem, he reserves the right to use a synthetic product for mildew because he doesn't want to use copper sulfate, which we're not going to get into here, but copper sulfate is used by a lot of organic producers and it's terrible for the environment. So there are a lot of people who care about the environment that don't go certified because they don't want to use copper sulfate. That's for another podcast or article or something. But anyway, I think this guy's really really rad. Now, there is only one premier crew village in Cotudsud de Apernay, Pierre, where he is, but he uses fruit from a bunch of different villages. So this isn't premier crew. It isn't grand crew, but it's about the terroir. It's about the soil. And because his farming is so good, it's about the place that it comes from. Well, I just want to say before we continue, 
that we talk a lot about the details and the nomenclature that revolves around champagne in a previous episode from last year. So after you've listened to this episode, go back and revisit if you feel like you need to. Episode 12 from last year, which is titled Champagne Mommy. Interesting enough. Um, Hilarious. Yeah. But we talk about some of the terms that we'll use, uh, dosage, perlage, and many more that revolve around champagne. So if we gloss over them, you can go back and check that episode out. And also, while you're doing that, check out episode 11, which happens to be uh, holiday gift ideas that we talked about last year. So check that out as well. But this sounds really cool. It's very interesting because we talk about when we are in champagne, some of the winemakers were not as far along with the idea of farming as some of the other places in France. So it's cool to see this guy's on the cusp of what's going on in Champagne. And simply because of the climate, you know? It's so much colder there. It's so hard to get a great vintage anyway, even if you're, you know, doing conventional farming. And there's so much risk involved. But as global warming is happening and a lot of techniques in organic viticulture have evolved so much, I think more and more producers will do it. Now, not only is the farming advanced, but also he's really into more natural fermentations. He does a lot of native yeast fermentations, although he's not dogmatic about it. No fining, no filtering, and very low sulfur for champagne, extremely low. And he has slower, gentle fermentations. He's just all about what the vineyard and what the grapes will provide. And he says because of his farming, he gets more ripeness and maturity in the grapes. He doesn't have to add as much sugar. His dosage is lower. And the dosage on this wine is 2.5. It's extra brute. So we'll taste it and find out how fruity it is in a sense. But I think the name of this wine, Solessence, which is his entry-level wine from his younger vines, is really true to what he does. It means essence of the soil, and that's what he is all about. So it's a typical blend of Chardonnay, Pinot Meunier, and Pinot Noir. It's two years in the bottle, and the base vintage of this wine, as I said, is 2017, but half of this wine is reserve wine. So As you know, maybe from previous episodes or about champagne, when they bring in the grapes each year for harvest and ferment them, they save some of that in a reserve wine, meaning to blend into future vintages. Because the whole point of non-vintage or multi-vintage is that it's a representation of the style of the house and not that particular year. And that gives more complexity, nuance, and interest to a multi-vintage blend. Shall we taste it? My dirty secret is I've already been tasting this. It's a pleasure to I drink I know, you this. need more. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. I have not, and I'm going to enjoy my taste. All right, so we are drinking this out of our regular, standard white wine glasses that we drink pretty much everything out of. And we like to do that because if we feel we can taste it better. Now, it doesn't look quite as festive, you know, for champagne, but by now, Tug is used to this, that I want to drink everything out of these glasses. So we can see it better. It's light gold in color, really, really tiny, tiny little bubbles. They're almost imperceptible. But when you swirl the glass, you see the bubbles hang on the side. They're so, so pretty, aren't they? like a little necklace. It's just teeny, teeny, tiny, fine, fine bubbles. All right, put your nose in there. Green apple, yellow apple, yellow plum, lemon, like a Meyer lemon. 
maybe lemon rind, that lemon skin, white flowers. Oh, the white flowers are so pretty. And then a really intense minerality, a saltiness, a kind of chalkiness. And then one of the main things of this wine, which I like to go through, you know, and start with fruit and then other things get to this at the end. But one of the first things you really notice when you put your nose in there is just that toasty brioche, that thing we love about champagne, just that richness of that biscuit out of the oven. It's not overwhelming. It doesn't it because you have all that citrus and that apple and that minerality and freshness, the brioche isn't like heavy or weigh you down. It just smells so light and luscious. Let's taste it. All that green apple and lemon, really, really fresh and vibrant. It's salty and chalky crazy acid tingling on my tongue. It's so fresh, but it tastes so ripe. Those fruits really taste, they're tart and ripe at the same time. It tastes like it's not too dry. It's not too sharp. And then just the tiniest bubbles just tickling all over your tongue. Like I'm drinking champagne. This is such a fine, fine champagne. Oh, people, this is a joy. (laughs) I'm telling you, I am not getting that much joy out of wine right now. Most of it tastes so awful to me. That's just, this is the moment I'm going through in my pregnancy. But still, still I can appreciate a wonderful taste of champagne. Champagne doesn't let you down. No, it does not. So here are the details. Quick, again. Chardonnay, 50%. Pinot Meunier, 40%. Pinot Noir, 10%. Vintage 2017. So half of that is that vintage. Half of it is a blend of reserve wine. Disgorged October 2019. That means it's done aging. It's ready to be sold. Dosage is 2.5 grams per liter. That's the sugar content. And alcohol is 12.5%. This is an extra Yeah, so go go back and check out episode 12 again for our our discussion about what the terms brute, extra brute mean. That's the level of sweetness in the wine. So you have brute nature, which has no residual sugar, then extra brute, brute, all the way on up. Yep, so go back and check that episode for a more detailed conversation about that. Can we also do just a quick discussion or clarification enlightenment on disgorgement. So disgorgement. What's special about champagne? This is what's special. You bring in the grapes, you ferment them. In this case, it's in stainless steel. Then you have your 2017 wine, you blend it with your reserve wine, and you put it into bottle. This bottle. Then you put a cap on it. And I think... Salic uses cork instead of crown cap. A lot of people use crown cap. Now, with that, in each bottle, you're also putting liqueur de tirage, a little liquid solution of yeast, wine, and sugar that is put in to start the second fermentation. So the yeast eats the sugar and creates CO2 bubbles. That dead yeast then is sitting in that bottle. We call it lees. It's sitting in that bottle for two years, creating that brioche, that toast, that creaminess, that loveliness that we know as champagne. Two years later, we're getting ready. We got to take out those dead yeast cells. We don't want those in there. Through a process called 
disgorgement. So it's you, it's a technique used to remove the frozen sediment of those leaves. You're freezing the neck of the bottle, freezing those dead leaves. They pulled out, the temporary cap or top is removed, and you put the cork on it, and you put a little bit of dosage and the cork. That's it. The dosage is just that hint of little sweetness or little special recipe, little sugar that you want to add to make the wine complete. That's great. There are so many videos on YouTube you could watch about this, but that is my back of the napkin description. Ooh, you're in love with that term. <laughs> I do. A couple quick questions about the sommelier world and champagne. For the sommelier tests, advanced two, three, masters, would they ever ask you to blind taste champagne or sparkling wine? I don't think that's in the as part of the test. It never was when I was doing the court. That was, you know, whatever, eight years ago. But, but service, right? Is it a part of service? It is a part of service. Certainly in the certified sommelier test, that's part of it, is opening a bottle of sparkling at a table, opening it correctly, and pouring it correctly into usually like at least four, maybe up to eight glasses. Now, like you said, there are videos on YouTube to show the correct pour. What do you think is the biggest misconception about pouring or opening champagne that you see the general public do? Well, the scariest thing I see is people just pointing at any old wear, not understanding the amount of insane pressure that is underneath that cork. Like, there's a reason there is a cage, a wire cage that you have to twist off on that cork. There's so much pressure underneath there with all those bubbles. So you've seen it on TV where somebody like accidentally twists it and they're pointing it at someone or somewhere and it could really take somebody's eye out. That's Dumb and per- dumber. That, for me, that is the biggest error that I see. Well, the thing I learned, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's where I was going, is that when people open champagne, I see most people, including myself for a long time, would take the cage off to open it. But the proper way to open it, right, according to the guild, is to do the twisting of the top from the bottom of the bottle while keeping the cage on, correct? You always keep, while twisting, you twist the cage. You never, never, never take your hand off the top of the cork. You've got it at a 45 degree angle. And you then, once the cage is loose, you've still got it on and your thumb on the top, you're twisting very gently the bottle, not the cork, not the cage. So you have a lot more control. And then when you ease the bottle out from the cork, it should just make this little and that's it. I mean, this is 2020, right? We're not going to restaurants for the holiday season, so it's a perfect time to be practicing your opening of sparkling wines and champagnes, so... Have a look on YouTube. Maybe you can do one. Maybe yeah. we'll put a video out there on our Instagram at the long finish this week. Put the pressure on you. I mean, I'm not amazing at it, but I'm, I'm not bad. <laughs> I'm not bad. Wow, pat on the back. I found that very valuable to learn how to open champagne. I mean, I always think that's a cool skill. So pick that up over the holiday season. Speaking of holidays, food pairings for champagne. We know seafood. We know oysters. I'm sure you're going to say it goes with everything, but give goes us a couple hits. It goes with everything. <laughs> goes with everything. It goes with Thai takeout. It goes with Indian food. It goes with 
hamburgers. It goes with Christmas roast. It goes with any number of impossible to pair casseroles. It goes great with french fries. It goes great with potato chips or popcorn or some salty snack. I mean, that's my dream, right? You have it at 4.30 with just salty snacks. That's the best. And now, of course, you can get this wine at Esther's, but how do you tell our listeners to go out and find this wine, but also grower champagne, something that you're really passionate about? How do you direct someone to finding champagnes like these? So one way to look for a grower producer that you can just tell by the label, if it has the little letters R-M, which means récoltant manipulant, my beautiful French, which is a grower producer that uses a minimum of 95% estate fruit. You can also always ask. It's great to ask your local psalm or your local wine shop owner, which of these are grower producers. That doesn't mean they're better. It just means usually that they're smaller and they're more hands-on and they're definitely hands-on in the farming, but they're seeing these grapes from vine to glass. So it's more involved. All right, great. Well, I hope everyone goes out and enjoys some champagne as we move ourselves out of 2020 and hopefully to a very different, very much brighter, more positive year of 2021. As we said, some great things have come out of 2020, but but generally I think we're all ready to, get, to let go and say get ready, out of here. Ready to move it on. Yeah. But I will reflect on one thing. Episode 50 of the podcast, 50 episodes, congratulations to you. Do you have any first thoughts on doing 50 episodes of the pod? Well, I certainly didn't think that I would be able to do 50 episodes of this, but it has been very fun. And I'm so grateful to all of you for listening and following along with us and indulging us in our ridiculous sleep conversations and letting us drink wine with you. I agree. I hope you, thank you, first of all, to the listeners out there. And I hope you guys have enjoyed some of our crazy stories. And I'm hoping you're finding some good information from the wines that Catherine provides each week. And we talk about them. Hopefully you're, you're drinking with us. So look forward to doing 50 more. But first... Before we go, got to do inspirations of the week. I'm going to go first because it's kind of a sad moment, to be honest with you. I recently discovered an artist, a musician, who is from L.A., and he died last week due to COVID complications. His name is Harold Budd. I was seeking out some music that was great to write while listening to music, and Harold Budd was introduced to me from Mark Duplass. I was following him on Twitter, and he mentioned Harold Budd before Harold had unfortunately passed away. And the past, I would say, most of November and December, I've been listening to Harold Budd music, really getting into things he's done. And um, unfortunately, he passed away last week on December 8th, aged 84, due to COVID complications. But I encourage all of you to go out. If you're into sort of meditative, thoughtful, Brian Eno-style music, things that type of music you want to be playing while you're being con- contemplative or working, check out Harold Budd. That's who I'm inspired by this week, and Godspeed, Harold. Catherine? I'm really looking forward to listening to that and checking it out. I think you'll like it a lot. I think so. It's He it sounds awesome. Well, I am inspired this week by an essay 
called Illuminous by the late Brian Doyle. And he wrote so many books and essays. This is from Eight Whopping Lies and Other Stories of Bruised Grace, kind of a compilation of many of his essays. And this book was given to me by my wonderful Aunt Amy as many books have, but I was rereading this essay this past week because I read it many times before, but this man has a way with words and he talks about really just holding hands with one of his children is sort of the the subject of the essay. And sometimes lately, life has felt so crazy and so nuts. I'm sure all you parents out there, especially if you're homeschooling or if you're dealing with little ones, feels like it's you're going to burst at any moment and just you're surviving. But this little essay just takes you right out into the big picture and show reminds you how fast life moves And how tender and rare these moments are that we have with these tiny little beings. And it will move you to tears as it did me. So if you need a moment to appreciate the craziness and the tenderness that you have with a small child, this is the right one. This essay is just beautiful, illuminous, Brian Doyle. But really all his essays are truly extraordinary. Just an amazing writer. Can't wait to read that feels like a very somber ending to a, what is a celebratory episode, but maybe that's just an opportunity for us to say, enjoy life, enjoy these people who create great things and put great art into the world. So that's one of the good things to come out of 2020, right? More people, more artists to discover, more artists to sink your teeth into. It's a finite number of years we have, right? So I let's think go. that's it. You know, 2020 has been brutal, but it's also a year to see so so clearly what you're grateful for see so clearly what it is that you have in front of you that you do love that does work in your life and those things become so clear well that's it episode 50 thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to the show if you have an opportunity to rate review and subscribe to our show at itunes or wherever you get your podcasts it would mean a lot to us if you're looking to give us a gift for the holiday season and, and leave a little review or five-star rating. It would mean a lot to us. helps us bring some visibility to the show. But we should be back next week with an all-new episode. Um, but until then, Catherine, where can they find you in the Lung Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Wild Coker on Instagram and on Facebook. And you can find the Lung Finish at the Lung Finish on Instagram and Facebook. Find the Lung Finish on Twitter at TLF Pod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. Thanks again to everyone for listening to the show. It's a holiday season. Everyone have a great couple weeks. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. Everyone be safe. Be healthy, practice social distancing, wear masks, take care of each other, and happy drinking. Ciao.